to season two of the Dare to Believe podcast. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, Christy. Are you excited about season two? I'm very excited about season two. We've got a lot of great guests for our listeners and interviews full of revelation, awesome stories and testimonies that will encourage and inspire you, our listener, for the more of God. So we want you to dare to believe. All right, so welcome to this Dare to Believe podcast, and we are very glad to welcome back our good friends, Rod and Connie Marquette. Hi, Rod and Connie. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, Christy. (laughs) So, Rod and Connie, this is your second time coming and talking with us, and it was fun. You just have so much history with the Lord, it (laughs) takes another time, or two, or three, to get it all. Depends on which story we talk about. (laughs) Yes, yes. But last time we just talked about how you kind of came from traditional church backgrounds and were invited up to Toronto. And if people missed that, please go back and and look at our season one interview with them because there is really a good testimony about how you encountered Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. in a very real and tangible way again and again. But but today we want to talk about um, just where you where you headed since then and you know what I would love for you to do Rod you're talking about getting a, a text from your brother yeah today if you could read that I to us start just, with that yeah just a sample of what God's up to my brother uh, Marv who's uh, also been on this podcast in the past he does mission trips all the time he's left for five weeks and his first uh, seven ten days were in China and while he was there he sent me a messenger message he says Another great trip here. China was better than last year as we have made contact with some real hungry people. Not much experience with Holy Spirit, but introduced him and they were glad. He says they didn't know that they could experience him. And so um, it's almost like reading the book of Acts when when I read that, how so often we can just know in our heads all the right stuff, even everything about Jesus, but actually not it having an experience with God and so they had some great meetings there and now he's in the Philippines he did try to connect with me but we got cut off after just a couple seconds that the connections were so bad I, so, I love that he's doing that in China right now because the word we've gotten from friends of ours who were missionaries in China that yeah. it's just gotten so hard for anybody to really to do anything in China right yeah. now wow. yeah. so that this is happening in that environment yeah. yeah. More Lord. They went there last year. Just uh, they took a tour, a week tour. They signed up, got this cheap tour, and and they made some contacts. And then the guy he travels with went back like six months later and made some more contacts. So now this this time they already had contacts ready, and so they were. It wasn't a tour this time. This time they were able to do ministry, and and God showed up. So that's awesome. cool. Yeah. That's just like when Paul has to go, or Peter or Paul in the book of Acts, like, well, whose baptism did you receive? Yeah, that was in Ephesus. It was, it was yeah. Paul. It was Paul, yeah. John, yeah. Like, John's baptism. Like, yeah. Well, there's more. <laughs> and the neat thing, he prays for him there, and and they started prophesying and speaking in tongues immediately, and they hadn't taken your school. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Is that allowed? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was so neat when God shows up. Yeah. So we don't need to be taught about all this. No. It just helps us to be taught about it, it all this. It does help, especially with our religious backgrounds. Sometimes we need to be taught out of what we have been trained. And they didn't have to because they didn't know anything. 
so, love it. I yeah. love it. Way to go, Marv. Yeah. Yeah, you can listen to the podcast about Marv Marquette from yeah. season yeah. one as well. That was a fun one. So you kind of led your brother to a deeper relationship with yeah. the Lord. Yeah, I was I was uh, the first one in my family to get saved. Um, Marv's a year older than me. My younger sister, a year younger than me, she got saved about the same time we did. And then my older sister, who had moved to Seattle, she came back. To, I think she was going to try to straighten us out. And, <laughs> and uh, she got saved then, too. So that was probably in 73 or so that she, she was the last one. That's pretty remarkable so. because a lot of families, there are one or two that oh, yeah. are really yeah. walking with the Lord like that yeah. and not the whole family. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that also sounds like the book of Acts. Like yeah. He and his household the shall whole, be saved. Yeah, yeah. Our, our whole family got saved. And then our cousins started getting saved. And oh, come on. So, yeah, that's so that's so really good. neat. That's very cool. Yeah. So where we left off last time we talked to you, you, you kind of had encountered a church called Bethel out in California. Yep. Can you tell us how that came about for you guys? Yeah, we were on. Uh, we we're gonna take a vacation, and we we're gonna be gone for a couple of weeks. And and I have a, my sister lives in Seattle. Connie's sister lives in Northern California. Oroville. In Oroville, and so I did some research ahead of time, and I knew we'd be traveling between sisters on a Sunday. And I thought we should try to find some church we can visit. I wanted to visit one, and I was looking at one in Portland for a long time online because I didn't know anything uh, out there, and. And then somehow I connected with this church called Bethel, and, and they had this one statement on their website that said they're seeing like 50 people a week being saved, not saved, healed. And it wasn't happening in church. It was happening like in Walmart and stuff. And I thought, I got to get some of that. And what year was this? This was in 99. And so we ended up going to their a Sunday evening service there, and it happened to be the night where they graduated their first school of ministry. There was like 30-some. 30, 30 people. Yeah, in the class. And Bill preached. I still remember his message. And then the graduation ceremony. And then they lined everyone up, just like in Toronto, and prayed. And so we got in line and got, got some ministry and prayer, and we sat until we were ones, the last ones to leave. Um, so that was our first introduction, and that was in May. And then in August, we have someone show up at our church. They were visiting, and so we went up and talked to them and introduced ourselves, and they introduced themselves. And they says, well, we were pastors at Bethel Church. In, in, in Reading? Yeah, in Reading. It was the same thing, but they, they had a business they started in Rochester. So they show up at our church, and it was... Like six months later, he took me to a prophetic conference out there. Um, and, of course, he knew everybody. He had been on staff there. And, and I didn't know, know anybody. But it was on that prophetic conference that, uh, in fact, Bill Johnson had never spoke at one of those before. He was always there, but the prophets spoke. But all the prophets got together and said, um, Bill, you're supposed to speak at this one. And he did, and basically he spoke his, his book in When Heaven Invades Earth, mm. you know, that mm. message. and Before it was written. Be way before it was written. This wow. is in 2000 now, and and my mouth dropped, and I got a tape, of course. And, um, and then I met Judy Franklin, and Judy Franklin was the most important person to meet out there, I found out, because she's the one who scheduled Bill. Yeah, <laughs> she was his personal assistant. Yeah, and she liked me, and so... We scheduled Bill right away, and 
to um, come to Minnesota. To come to our church. Yeah. Wow. And come on. So he came in 2001, and I made like 50 copies of that tape from what he spoke at that. And I handed it all to every pastor in our area and any pastor I knew. And, and so I invited them all when Bill came. So um, we had 500 people there from probably 15 different churches that came to the first time Bill came. And then he came the next year for another three-day conference and the next year for another three-day conference. So wow. we were blessed um, to have him. And he, the first time he was there, I was sitting at Baker Square with him. We were eating. It was just him and I. And just you and Bill Johnson. Just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just take and, that. Yeah, <laughs> you realize. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. tough to do nowadays. And, I know. Um, so I said, Bill, how can we connect at a deeper level? I said, you know, I want what you got. I want, I want more. And so he invited me to their leader's advance, um, which he said we do twice a year. And so we went to the first one, and there was less than 100 pastors there, and they were from... In a half circle. Yeah, just in a half circle. And, and they were from mostly Northern California, Nevada, and Oregon. Wow. Oregon, or whatever they call it there. And, and then when they... They uh, had a time where they asked where everyone was from, and we said from Minnesota, and they would applaud. Because <laughs> you came all the way from Minnesota. And now people are coming from all over all the world. All over the world, yeah. yeah. You know, now it's like, how many from the U.S.? Okay, that's good to have you here. How many from <laughs> around the world? So, so was that the very first Leaders Advance ever that no, we went to? The, no, the first one we went to. They had actually been meeting for five was it, years was at least. It was quite a few years before that. It was just a small group of pastors that eventually grew. And um, so for the first couple of years that we went, it was around 100 people, maybe the first three years. And then Bill wrote his book, hmm. When Heaven Invades Earth. And then after that, it Everything went international changed. immediately. Yeah. Um, and each year it grew. We, we know all the people the best for the ones that were there back then. You know, when Chris just... Chris had just come, you know, like a couple of years before we, we went there. And and Danny Silk wasn't there yet when we first started coming. So um, so we got to grow with them a little bit. They had one service on Sunday morning, and it wasn't packed. Wow. So it was, uh, <laughs> and yeah. Were they in the same location? They yeah, same okay. location. Mm -hmm. Then they went to two services, and their first service, there was hardly anybody there when they first switched. And so that's where we'd go when we'd visit. Yeah. And um, now, now it's hard to get in at any of their services, and they have them all over town. So. And then your daughter and her husband went out there, and you were hoping that was for. Yeah, we were going to start a school of ministry, and Judy uh, Franklin and Sherry Silk. We had talked. We were talking to them, and they both suggested that that we should do a school that would have the Bethel's name on it. And they said, but we didn't have anybody in our church who had gone through their school, so they suggested sending somebody and then starting a school we we would call it another BSSM and so we did my daughter and her husband decided to do that and they were going to come back and lead the school and start a school and and they go out there and and a month after they're there there my daughter calls me and says dad I don't think we're coming home oh, she, <laughs> yes. and they never did they still live out there how many years have they been out there that was in 2008 or nine, something like that. So yeah, they've been yeah. out there 10 years. 10 years. So, and yeah, then they're doing well out there. And 
they love it. And so we started our own school anyway, and but we didn't put the Bethel name on it. We just called it Destiny School of Supernatural Ministry. And, and that's still going. It's not as big as theirs at all, but it's uh, doing well. So we love doing that school. I actually knew your daughter a little bit. She was uh, in charge of the fi finances yes. of finances. the students uh, out in Reading. And I didn't know that she was a twin. So when I came... Oh, you're the I, one of ones that ran into Stacy. I met her sister in Minnesota, and I saw her walking oh, down yeah. the hall immediately. I'm like, I paid, I paid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm getting tracked down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she worked for Kathy Valentin, I think, seven or eight years in charge of all yeah. that, the tuition for the school. Mm -hmm. So people either loved her or were terrified of her because if they yeah. owed money. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she was gracious, though. Yes, very gracious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how would you describe the, the trajectory, I guess, is the word that I would use of what happened? So there's so much changed when you went to Toronto. There's a huge trajectory there, and things really changed, but... Then how would you describe the change or the trajectory after you met Bill Johnson and after you connect with Bethel? There, there are quite a few things that changed, but I, I would say that the, the biggest thing that changed for us, because, you know, Bill had experienced Toronto, so he brought that, we had experienced it, we brought that home. But Bill walked in so much honor. Um, mm -hmm. And being raised in the Jesus People Movement and then the Charismatic Movement, we had been rejected by pretty much all the other groups around. And so we didn't really honor anybody. We honored people that agreed with us. And, but we did, hadn't, didn't have fathers. We didn't know how to honor fathers. Um, and so we weren't very honoring people. Um, and that would be the biggest thing I could say. And Bill honored everybody. I've spent time with Bill. He is, he will never say anything bad about anybody. And if there's something being said bad about someone in the room, he checks out. Yeah. He doesn't get involved with the conversation. Yeah. So he doesn't correct people. He just no. doesn't enter into that. He, right. He's done yeah. with the conversation. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. And sure I can't say I've tried. I've said something bad about somebody, and he'll. Just sit there and <laughs> end of conversation. And he so lives what he preaches. And I think he, more than anything, he brought us to a point where we learned to honor everyone. Like Peter says, we're supposed to honor all people. And you think people, and knowing what honor looks like is very hard. Because I grew up in the church and heard teaching on honor all along, and people... I think genuinely thought they were honoring people, but That's they right. weren't. Yeah, because I would have thought I was too until I yeah. saw someone who really was walking in honor. So how would you describe the difference? Um, you don't measure people. You don't judge people. You love everyone. It doesn't mean you're going to walk with everyone, but you're not going to speak against anybody. Um, and Bill does that so well. And so we learned that from Bill, started teaching it, and it changed the environment of our church. Wow. We're not, I think because God was doing so much in our particular church and, and amongst the people there that a lot of times we looked at other churches and thought, you know, they're just missing it. Mm -hmm. Well, 
that's a critical statement that we you would not hear from Bill. And so we started loving everybody, no matter where they were at. And it made a difference in our whole culture and in the atmosphere and our in our service, even though, you know, when you're hungry for God, God shows up. Um, he just does. But when you start honoring people, it changes the atmosphere in the room. Mm -hmm. It now in, invites them into um, what God has for them, too. Uh, until then, they'll put a wall up in yeah. front. And, and it's, yeah. we're the ones who put up the wall. We blamed yeah. it on them, but we're the ones who put up the well, wall. Well, Bill had a message one time, and it was a, it was a whole thing, and he talked about how far can we go with this honor thing? Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what started the course of everybody thinking about honor. Because they said, how far can this go? How far can we? And it was a whole big, big teaching thing, and it was good. And we knew there was something in the honoring of people. And mm -hmm. um, that's when we latched on to it. Yeah, Bill brought a maturity into our movement that was not there previous to that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it, it, it did change our movement. Um, I, I don't know where God has us next, but I know because of the maturity that Bill brought into our movement, we're, I think the foundation has been laid for the next move, which we all feel is coming, which will be a combination of everything God has done. And, um, but I don't think we could have handled anything like that um, when we were still judging everyone else for not having what we had. Um, and I think we were primed for it. It's like, it's not as if, you know, when people, you know, think, we just never thought about honoring. Yeah. And when we heard the message about it, it's like a, a whole new door opened. You know, it's like, who's going to reject? You know, if someone talks about honoring, you don't reject it. It's something we hadn't heard. Mm -hmm. So it was like a, a whole new thing that was brought, oh my gosh, your eyes are open to how, how important it is. It literally, that was a, a big changing turning point in our yeah. ministry, in our church and everything. Yeah. And then the next thing I think that we learned from Bethel, and although Bill preached it, what brought it home to me was Chris Valentin. He, uh, in the early 2000s, he came out with a, it was actually a two-tape series on, he called it Graceland. And I listened to those. I got a hold of those from that guy that visited our church. He actually, someone from out, out there was sending him every tape that was made in Bethel. And he had boxes of them. And so he came to my house one day and said, I don't have time to listen to these. You want them? And I'm going, yeah. You know, it was Bill and Chris and any other speaker they had there. And at first, you know, was, Chris was new to me. At first, I, you know, I, I don't know about this guy. Um, but then I started listening to his Graceland, and I was listening to my car. And it's a nice place to listen to a tape in that you can make comments there without getting in trouble. And he said some things in that tape series that, I would yell in the car. I said, Chris, you're going too far. And I remember pounding on the dash and I said, Chris, no, that's not right. You're going too far. And and so I got done with those those two tapes and I popped them right back in again and listened to them again. I did that for a year. And finally, it's like after a year, I got it. And I, and I realized that... And what would, how would you describe what you got? Yeah. 
Yeah, see, this is what I realized. Because I, I had always considered myself a grace preacher. I mean, in the 80s, I was preaching grace. I mean, I put it, mm -hmm. the love of God, he loves us, you know, all that stuff. And I realized that I was standing on the foundation of the law, looking at grace, and I'd preach grace. And it was amazing. It was, it was maybe a better illustration. I was standing on the mountain of the law, looking over on the mountain of grace, and I could preach on it all day. I could, I could preach on it around the world, um, and, and I had good messages. But Chris was standing on the mountain of grace describing it. Wow. He and lived a, there. Yeah, it was a far better position. And once I saw that, I realized that everything he was saying was so true. It's just that I, had it, I was filtering it through the law, because that was my that's how I was raised. And so I had to jump. It was a paradigm shift. I had to jump, and it felt like I was jumping off a cliff because under my system that I believed, I could hold on to some things I was doing or not doing and say I was okay. To jump into where he was, I had to let go of that. Like what kind of things? Like the good things I did, good the bad things, things like I didn't earning, do. Oh, I was earning. I, uh -huh. I didn't even realize it. I was still, I knew that Jesus died on the cross for me and someday I'd get in heaven, but I was still earning my acceptance today. You're measuring. I was measuring. Measuring. I had exactly. to throw the whole tape away. And that was hard. And that's why it took me that year. I felt like I was jumping off a cliff and I'm hoping Jesus was down there. And, and it, it, what happened is my whole house of cards fell. I found the way I understood the scriptures as a whole had to change. The way I prayed had to change. The way I understood people had to change. The way I understood God had to change. Everything had to change. It wasn't just, okay, now I understand grace differently. No, everything had to change. And so my, I started like starting from scratch. I didn't even know how to pray anymore. I didn't know how to, you know, anything. And so, and I'm still learning. <laughs> I got so much to learn because that mountain of grace is really big and it's amazing. And so it's how do you do that as a pastor? Yeah. You're pastoring a church. Just you're preaching every Sunday and you're, yeah. you're pastoring people. How do you do that as you're going through that change yourself? <laughs> and, and you have a successful church. Yeah. As in, there's re you have regular yeah. attenders. You've yeah. got good growth. You see things happen. Lives are transformed. People are set free. You were seeing miracles at this time? Yeah, 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 we were seeing all so, that so stuff. So a lot of those are the markers that we would use to yeah. say, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm walking in the will of the Lord for my life. Yeah, because this is 10 years into the Toronto All Point already. So we were seeing all that. We had services where everyone was laying on the floor, you know, because they couldn't stand up. I mean, yeah. that's so the presence what we were of God is super yeah. strong. And here you are here saying, am I start, starting I'm missing from scratch. It. Wow. Yeah. So your messages change. There are messages I preached before that that I would probably want to burn right now, I'd, even though they were good for the day, but I didn't realize how much more light there was. And it also. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was walking in the light that I had, yeah. but I didn't right. realize how much light there was. Yeah. And the right. Lord's not mad at you no. for walking with the light that you have. And so nobody no. needs to feel condemnation. No. It's just that there is more light, and yeah. you, you can walk in more light if you and, choose to. And there's. This is what I found out. There's not only was there more light for me then, but I found out there's a whole lot more light than we can ever imagine, you know. Yeah. And so the last five years, I've I've learned more about him and his love than I think I did the first forty years. Wow. You said something, so, Christy, just at the end there. You said, which I think is important. You said, if you choose to. Yeah. That's that's big because we have to stay 
open. Yeah. We cannot reject something because I think of all my stepping stones of coming when I got saved and the, the hearing about speech. I mean, salvation itself. I thought Rod had, you know, like I said, gotten a cult. Mm-hmm. And then speaking in tongues. It's like all these steps. It's like I fought it. It's like my insides of my flesh could not receive it. I had to stay open, and I had to go to him alone and say, the Lord God, yeah. yeah, if this is right, I want it. You're going to have to help me with this. Yeah. He always did. And that's where I think we have to be careful in our lives to always stay open. If you don't agree or you something is inside of you saying, oh, this just isn't of God, be careful because I found it in my own life that I can't say that anymore. Mm-hmm. I have to get alone with him, and I have to ask him, Lord, if this is of you, and trust that he's going to lead me into the fullness of what he has for us. Right. He always has, and he has always been faithful. Which leaves you in a place of um, operating in discernment, because there are some things that aren't the Lord, but the Lord will let you know what that is. Yes. And, it, and religion tells us we're, we're keeping people happy, and we, we try to keep people yeah. happy, and people don't always get it. Um, but the Lord will give us the discernment to walk in truth. And so that's a delicate place to it walk. Is, yeah. It is yeah. delicate. It's mm-hmm. like you have to stay vulnerable. You have to stay open and not, uh, I always say the word dogmatic. I can't be dogmatic on anything anymore. I mean, I've come in so many different areas of the Lord that I, you can't stay dogmatic. You have to stay open because the Spirit is always willing to give. As long as we're open. Yeah. So Chris started me on a journey. And I think I've just like stepped in the front door of a big, huge, massive mansion that has so much to explore. And, and I'm, I'm only beginning. I, you know, the more you know about God, the more you feel like you're just preschool. You know, yeah. it, it, uh, And it, I think Chris, I mean, he learned grace Look at his grandfather, you know, his testimony of his grandfather, of how he, when Chris took the car or whatever, and the door ended up Rip, ripping the door off, the door off this, and his, his, his truck, yeah. he was just sick thinking of coming home to his, and his grandpa comes and looks at it. I've yeah. been meaning to take, take that, that off for a anyway. while. You know, thank you. <laughs> it's like he lived in an atmosphere of grace on his life through his his grandparents and just his life I see grace so how he was just the perfect person yeah he was able to yeah. understand it way before we could yeah wow. yeah we always know how it uh, in our minds we know that yeah I'm gonna to go to heaven someday because of what Jesus did but we're not really good at saying how's it gonna affect my life right now today this moment in any situation I'm in, and and that's where God is bringing us. It's, it's like heaven is coming to the moment I'm in right now, not something in the future. Yeah. And when that happens, everything changes in your life. And so, for people yeah. who are trying to say, "All right, what are you talking about with grace?" I mean, how do you define grace? And so, if a person is wondering, because there's such a continuum of how people feel about a grace message, you know, they some people think it's. Um, cheap grace or hyper grace or, yeah, you can sin, or other you can do yeah it. exactly yeah. and, and yeah. some people are like well there's there's no grace and, and it's very legalistic and so there's got to be health in there somewhere so how do you describe well, it I think it's simply this that 
right at this moment, no matter what I'm doing, no matter where I'm at, I can receive his love. And if I receive his love, it creates an environment in me where I won't even think about sin. Right. I mean, it's real hard to sin or even be tempted if you're sitting on dad's lap. Yeah. You know, and so if we can be at that point where we're always receiving his love, we are actually in heaven because that's what heaven is. It's his presence. So can we live there? Yeah, that's why Jesus died, so we can live in his presence. That's his grace. It's not about, okay, now I can sin and get forgiven. No, if you're doing that, you're still living under the law. You're just looking at grace, mm -hmm. but you're still standing on the law because you're thinking you can get God to like you or not like you by not doing sure. things, you know. So it's yeah. all about receiving praying, his love Teaching today. us to pray on yeah. earth as it is in heaven isn't just a nice thought. It is, he wants us to live every day yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. yeah. Sin loses its flavor when you're sitting in the presence. When you're totally. It, there's, no, there's no taste anymore. There's, there's exactly. no desire yeah. for it. There's no enticement. See, yeah. It's gone. I think God wants to bring us back to thinking and living the way Adam and Eve did before the fall. See, for Adam and Eve before the fall, there was, everything was about love. They loved God, they loved each other, they loved the world around them. Satan and all the demons were there in the garden, but they only write about them because they had no influence on them. You know, and Jesus now, because of what he did on the cross, he can bring us back to that point. And when we're at that point, that Satan will have no influence on us. Just like Jesus said, Satan has nothing in me. Why? Because he was living at that place. So if we're living in heaven on earth, then Satan won't have any influence on us either. Mm -hmm. That's where Jesus is ultimately going to bring him. And, and I think it's something we step into. Um, but if we're still got our foot a little bit on the, the law side of things, like we're still trying to perform, we will not get there. That's where this jumping off in this cliff. You know, when I listen to you guys talk about your relationship with the Mayo Clinic, I think that, that it's just the best testimony of how the Lord changed your mindset. And yeah. um, when you first moved from the Twin Cities yes. down to Rochester, Minnesota, where the Mayo Clinic, world famous, is there, um, what was your attitude towards the Mayo Clinic? Well, yeah, we had a Jesus people attitude which was us against them you know mm -hmm. we were doing it right they were doing it for money you know and so someday we'll win that was our attitude and uh, we'll teach them what, help, where, what healing this is, is really where about. bill helped us a little bit <laughs> in that well wait a minute what if we honor them and pray for them not pray against them and then God will move in, the, in their behalf and, and they'll see signs and wonders and miracles there and everything they're doing will give glory to God. And so that's what we started to do. And, and that's when we started praying for that one research doctor who had tremendous results. And So you started praying for the Mayo Clinic and yep. blessing them and honoring them yep. and offered to come and pray with people. Yep. And then this, especially this one research doctor, talk yep. about that. Yeah, he uh, it was actually our first... Uh, School of Supernatural Ministry, I gave the, my vision for what I felt God was going to do. And one of those things is to have a dream center in Rochester where research doctors could meet with, with intercessors and, and, and get medical breakthroughs that would change the world. And so one of the students said, I know a research doctor, and can we ask if we can pray for him? And I said, yeah. And so 
five of the students got together and prayed, and they started writing down whatever came to mind. And they had, um, like, they wrote down green and fungus and all nonsensical words. It, it, they had a whole page of stuff they wrote and almost embarrassed to give it to the guy. <laughs> but he looked at it and read it, and he's nodding while he's reading this thing. And he was doing a certain type of cancer research on brain tumors, and everything they were doing was not working. And so he looks at this list, changed, changes the direction of his research. Based on the words of based knowledge. Based on these words mm -hmm. of knowledge. And he understood them. And within a month, they were seeing positive results. In six months, he was writing papers. Um, they, uh, and it was, a year, it was a year after. He's the one that said that, you know, I've been a Christian all my life, but I never thought of bringing Jesus into the workplace. And so now he's getting words too on, on the workplace, although he's the one, he started calling us now and, and asking for, hey, would you pray for me about this and pray for me about that? And um, they started, I think it was a year after that, they started doing trials with um, animals and then they were doing it with humans. And he found some way to, what they did was they'd take the blood and the tumor from a patient they get the tumor out and they take the blood and then they would train the blood to, to attack that type of cancer that was in that tumor and then inject that back in as a serum and so they didn't have to give chemotherapy or radiation wow. Wow. because once they took the no tumor blood. out that their own bodies would and yeah that's awesome and so yeah everything that works so he would pray because they were working with DNA and they would get um, so much data. Um, it was. It was. It says it's, this would take a hundred lifetimes to go through just the data we're getting. So they wanted us to pray that God would lead them and guide them to look at the right data for what they needed to know. And so we were praying that for a couple of years for them, and it was fun because he'd come back. He'd be so excited. And then and he ended up with a promotion. He ended up getting promoted. He's <laughs> over some department now, and yeah, um, yeah. And so we were blessed. He was blessed, and so we're praying that God would give us something else now. But that's such a very concrete way of, of seeing how our idea of honor. You would not have yeah. said you dishonored the Mayo Clinic, but you did. And oh, just your twice. attitude and your heart towards them. And the yeah. Lord changed that around. And once you operate in honor, the Spirit was available to flow in a whole yeah. different way. Whenever you have an us versus them mentality, which we didn't even know we had it until someone told us, right. really. We thought we loved everybody, but really we were just loving those that agreed with us. Yeah, which and is a lot more comfortable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier to love the ones yeah. that agree with you. Yeah. So, but it changes everything. There's something about honoring, uh, excuse me, grace and performance there too, just in the workplace that you can have, you can yeah. just receive something from the Lord instead of having to work through mounds and mounds of data yeah. or whatever. Like, because there is that element of like, but I need to work, I need yep. to yeah. perform, I need to do this. And yet God will freely give something in partnership with us. That will yeah. I've had it so many times just when I was working on a car. I, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't figure out the problem, you know. And then all of a sudden I would get, at first I thought it was just mine. Like I'm really smart today, but I really, after a while I realized, no, these are words of knowledge. Out of nowhere I'd get a thought of what to do. And I would do it and that would be the problem. And um, so Jesus likes working on cars too.
And you have John in your congregation who made a, had, had formerly worked for... For I, IBM. Yes. Yeah, talk about him. They would send him all over the world. He was a problem solver, a mechanical engineer. They'd even send him into areas where they had problems that weren't mechanical. Because he would go and meet with the engineers and the designers of, and find the problem. And he'd go back to his hotel and it happened again and again. And he'd get a dream in the middle of the mm -hmm. night as to what the solution was. And one time he was he was mm -hmm. in one Southeast Asia somewhere and meeting with the engineers and he came back with a solution which was relatively simple. And and the engineers all said, That will not work, you know, right. the next day and and the managers finally said, Well how hard would it be to, to implement this? And well, not hard. Well, try it. <laughs> And so they did, and it's exactly what they and needed to do. It worked. To, and it worked, yeah. yeah. So he learned early on oh, how yeah. to incorporate yes. the presence of the Lord into yeah. his business. He would get dreams. That is so cool. And retired. And yeah, no, had a successful career yeah. and that based yeah. on flowing with the Lord in the in the marketplace. Yes. yes. And wouldn't yeah. the Lord want us to be successful and bring solutions and solve problems yes. and have influence and be well respected in our fields of work yeah. that's very much like him that he yeah. would put us in those positions and the amazing things I'm, I'm finding is that Jesus even wants those who don't know him to have success like yes. that so yes. he sends us in to make them successful that's yeah. good yeah that's what Joseph did for Pharaoh yeah absolutely yeah well, wow yeah so Rod and Connie Marquette from Destiny Church in Rochester Minnesota you can they can people can look you up at Destiny Church. DestinyRochester.com. DestinyRochester.com. Yes. And would you guys just pray for our listeners that they would receive all this, but also um, an understanding of honor. I think that's so, so big because, you know, I, I was raised in the church and was a pastor in the church and talked about honor and learned about honor and thought I understood honor. Uh, but there was an underlying current of dishonor everywhere I went. And um, when I went to Bethel and started to walk with them and heard them talk about honor and what does a culture of honor really look like, and I think I learned from you guys that those signs and wonders and miracles increase as you walk in honor. Yeah. Yeah. There's something yeah. about honor that is on the Lord's heart, and it opens up a spiritual environment, and much more happens, and it really is a foundational piece yeah. for the miraculous that's happening at Bethel is that honor and yeah. as I began to see it and am still learning how to understand honor and walk in honor it, it just changes everything yeah yeah you know and and it's not that people are bad or choose to dishonor I mean we have a spiritual enemy who wants to teach us to dishonor and we learn yeah. well yeah. so the Lord's a better teacher and sometimes we think we're actually protecting truth by right. not That's honoring good. right and, and really, God's the one who protects truth. Talk yeah. about that for a second, Ron. <laughs> it's a good idea. Yeah, it's good. Well, Jesus comes on the scene, and, and they say he's breaking the Sabbath, right? And really, he's just loving people, caring for, for people. and and But one of the reasons that the Pharisees came against him so hard is because they thought they were protecting truth. You know, we have this law. It's of God. And so we have to protect it. Jesus is coming in, and he's modifying a little bit, and they got angry. And um, so um, a lot of times when we don't honor people, it's because the same reason the Pharisees had. We think that if we honor them, and they're not believing right, 
that's in our mind, if we honor them, it will say that they're okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It'll validate them. It'll yeah. validate them, and the people will. So we end up getting what is that and in that process, not validate the Lord or not honor the Lord. It's not just not. We don't want to validate the people who are in in error. Yeah. We feel like we're betraying God. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, that's the mindset mm -hmm. that the Pharisees and religious leaders yeah. had, and they end up killing Jesus over the, with that mindset. Well, we kill the love of God when we do that. Wherever we go, when we don't honor, when we don't love, just because they don't believe right or are doing something wrong. So, Jesus took all the judgment that we deserve so that we're free to love. So we can go anywhere to anybody and just love them and honor them. And in the midst of that, you end up, all of a sudden, you end up with like a Nebuchadnezzar, who was one of the most wicked kings that ever existed. And Daniel just honors him. Oh, king, live forever. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, king, die tomorrow. You know, for how mean he was and how terrible he was. No, oh, king, live forever. And the guy gets saved. Um, we have no idea the power of love and honor. Mm. It, it, it Tremendous power. But what's cool about Daniel is he never compromised. He, he never, never compromised. compromised on what he believed and what he stood for. He didn't compromise his own. So we're responsible for our own heart and yeah. our own relationship with the Lord and honoring the Lord with what, how we live our life. We're not responsible for how our neighbor lives their life. Yeah. We're responsible yeah. for how we love our neighbor. Yeah. That's right. And that's the that's hard right. piece that we get mixed up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we're not the ones that are supposed to be the protectors of truth. The Holy Spirit does that really well, and he does it in ways that he can still love in the midst of it. Our calling is to love. That's what we're called to do. To no matter, And nobody has sinned too much. Nobody understands too bad for us not to love them. So, yeah. That's good. Thanks for touching on that a little bit. Now would you guys bless our listeners? Lord, we just thank you for your tremendous love for us. and You love us the same, whether we're, we're doing well in, or we're doing bad. I mean, just, your love is so great. And, and once we are able to receive that love from you, then it's loving others comes quite natural. So I just pray that first, that each one of us could... Um, sit on your lap and just receive your love wherever we're at that we could experience the good part of heaven which is just you and receiving your love today right at this moment and Lord as we receive your love that we can see how amazing everyone else is in this world even if they don't understand the way we do they are amazing and we can love them and honor them and and uh, treat them with respect because they were made by you and you love them. So I just pray uh, just a release of that love, a release of that honor, a release of, um, I would call them God goggles so we can see the world through your eyes. Yes, Lord. And you see us all as being really amazing. Yes, Lord. Yes. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have revealed, Father, such uh, the about honor and, and everything, Father, because it's so big. It's so big in your kingdom, Father. 
And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And Father, every person, Lord Jesus, that is out there, Lord, that um, hears this, Lord Jesus, we pray for a uh, 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 development, uh, insight into honor, Lord, like they haven't had before because of what you have shown us, Lord Jesus, in this, Father, how important it is. Father, let it be so important to other people that hear this that they'll want to, Father, experience you, Father, in honor and love, Father. Lord, you have so much, so much for your people, God. And every person, no matter who they are, Lord Jesus, if they've accepted you into their heart, Lord Jesus, they have you inside and they have that love, Father. So Lord, let today be the day that Jesus is given out, Father. Wherever we go, Lord Jesus, that we can shine forth, Lord Jesus, everything, Father, that we have been given from you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful journey, Father, that you have us on, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We yes. praise you, and we say, have your way in your church, God. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Amen. 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 Thank you, Rod and Connie Marquette. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Dare to Believe podcast. We are grateful for you, our listeners. You can find out more about us at our website, daretobelieve.info. That's dare, the number two, believe.info. Also, to make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to us on Apple iTunes or however you listen to your podcasts. And go ahead and leave a five-star rating while you're at it. Thank you, guys.